Thorpe. Loves his music. Loves beating me at darts. How are you, Beefy? <laughs> I'm good, buddy. Uh, how was your weekend? Well, the week. I had a, oh, the week, yes, indeed. Oh, week. Well, I went to South Australia to visit a very good friend of mine. And, right. um, yeah, look, it was, um, it was a good week. It was a good week. Good. It, the South Australians are a insular lot. They All the talk in the media was about the build-up to the Port Adelaide versus... doesn't really matter who game. There was... It Brisbane, was, I think, wasn't it? It was Gold Coast, but they oh, didn't. Gold Coast, they, right. you, you may, you're a South Australian. The the absolute lack of recognition that there were other people going to that. Yep. You know, lead story on Tuesday night: the first group of Port Adelaide players have hit the airport tonight. Oh. You know that it, it was just non-stop. So they would have been cock a hoop, I imagine, after the victory. No doubt. But South Australians love their South Australian sport. We love sport right around the globe, don't we? We do. We do indeed. And we are going to start, as we have in the last couple of weeks. By yeah. the way, I was not on air last week, but you know that I followed Newport County. Yes. <laughs> I was regaling with uh, the fact that you were texting me at well, well, like, well, 4.30 in the morning. Well, I thought it was, I thought it was going to be like at 1 o'clock. Yeah, no, it was a late start for some waiting. unknown okay, reason. Then I fell asleep, but yep. I had my phone on. Yeah. And luckily, I don't know. Have you has this ever happened to you? That you need to wake up at a certain time. Yeah, this has happened all my life. Yeah, yeah. I did wake up at five thirty without an alarm. I set the alarm, but I get up at five twenty-five. Yeah, I know. It, my body clock's in, excellent. It's those important things, and it, for me, that normally happens around um, soccer matches at certain unknown times, which I try and wake up for uh, to have a look at. So and, I was uh, desperate to follow the game, and I followed uh, it. On the internet, yeah. didn't watch it. Yeah, but I followed it. Well, you couldn't watch the Newport County game. You could watch the Hartlepool Doncaster game because that was on Fox. Um, but I had to listen to the Newport County game yeah. on the radio, and uh, as it, mentioned last week. But it was just crazy that, that <laughs> Hartlepool are safe because of two goals from Rodney. But then yeah. your game, what's the name of Rodney your, Parade? Is where so Newport you play, play at Rodney Parade, <laughs> yeah. but and Rodney, Rodney scored. <laughs> yes, you plonker as. Uh, I, I, <laughs> the only footballing Rodney I could think of was Rodney Marsh. Yes, I can't think of too many. Manchester uh, City and QPR. Yeah, there's not too many other Rodneys. Was there? No, there's Rodney Dangerfield, of course, <laughs> who had the great line once. Um, hey, <laughs> I've got the live tape of his. That's how old it is. Yep. Hey, Rodney, how comes you're so ugly? It's a uh, heckling just yells yep. it out because you're contagious. <laughs> Caddyshack. Yeah. What a film. Yes. Nice, nice kid, nice kid. No, I know what lions eat. They're young. That's I, it. I can give you a million dollars. Yeah, we could have an hour of uh, Dangerfields. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Newport stayed up last day of the season. Yep. In fact, obviously, Hartlepool took the lead in the 83rd minute, which was going to send Newport down. And Mark O'Brien, the right back, popped up at centre forward and volleyed home. Well, I, I, saw, that I saw that goal. I saw the goal. He yes. took it on his chest and. Yeah. Beautiful play, actually. Yeah. The Hartlepool take great offence at being referred to as the monkey hangers. They do. Enormous Because offense. it's very derogatory, because they were stupid enough to hang a monkey on so, trees and so charges. What, so what do Hartlepool call themselves? Pools. That's exciting, isn't it? Or the ewes, I think. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah I think the ewes. Uh, and they, after 96 years in... Uh, oh, I think it's... My, yes, 112, I think, Hartlepool, possibly. Yeah, the, but um, yeah, the um, combined like 
Hartlepool Leighton Orient needs about 200 years. Yes, of oh, way over because Hartlepool's uh, Leighton is uh, 130, yep. so uh, 135 years. Now we're getting Rodney Hogg and Rodney E, but <laughs> yep, they beautiful. never played soccer. No, true. We're after soccer players. <laughs> and Rodney Marsh obviously played for Queensbrook Rangers, a few others, not to be confused with a wicket, wicket keeper of the same name. But uh, yeah, keep, keep your Rodneys coming in, though. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Finey always like to have a discussion about certain off the wall things. So uh, yes, please. Any famous Rodneys? Yeah, Rodney. And Rodney Parade, obviously, is uh, out of the question. Rodney, <laughs> it's a funny name. The, uh, the. Actually, what's the. What's the name of the Kiwi? Uh, not the the West Indian lad that batted, isn't he? Rodney Chase, the made the hundred. Yes, yeah, the nearly all, saved the match. We watched it today. We did see that today. Rodney Chase, yes. good name for a West Indian cricketer because yeah. they're always chasing. <laughs> well, well, we should we should mention, by the way, the retirement of two outstanding servants to the game, um, two Pakistani players. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, so Yunus, Yunus Khan, yeah. Whose careers all Pakistani cricketers have had interesting careers, haven't they? <laughs> There's very few that don't. That's for sure. And, and, and Mizbah is that the Miz, um Yes, uh, who both mid forties essentially. They claim they're only just forty. But Yunus uh, Khan had a fair time off. Well, I think they all did for some one reason or another. Yeah. They always go out of favour and come back into favour when they're struggling and. Um, yeah, no, phenomenal. And um, they proved on the tour of Australia last year that oh, they they, the boys can still play. They can play. Beautiful cricketers. And Pakistan got home with them over to spare. Over to spare, which is a bit unfortunate because Chase had um, got 100. Nearly it's, saved it's the Ro- game. It's Roston Chase. Is it Roston? Oh, bugger. Roston Chase. Oh, I, thought Rodney, I thought Rodney was too simple. Yeah, I know. I just, it was ticking around in my mind. and uh, Yeah, but uh, there you go. And what a knock. Great knock. But... Uh, just came up short, and it's that's been a very competitive series over there through the 2020s, one day as a now the test matches. Yeah. But um, the West Indies have found a couple of players. This chase is, is taking a to test cricket like uh, like no tomorrow, so uh, things are looking a little bit better than they were previously for the Windies. So, uh, a great Rodney, Rodney Rude, Rodney Rude. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. <laughs> yes, he's a he's a very he's a favorite on the English. Uh, club cricket circuit, funnily yeah? enough. Yes. That is funny. Yes, there's a lot of tapes and CDs get played con- <laughs> constantly in dressing rooms over there. But there you go. All right, so our football story is not about relegation. No, it's, it's about not promotion. about relegation. This is about promotion. Well done to Chelsea, by the way, for winning the EPL. But that's uh, that was kind of wrapped up a couple of weeks ago. Tottenham did a great job in keeping it as late in the season as they could. But, and, of uh, course, the, the most... Prominent of Welsh clubs, Swansea survived. Swansea have survived, and in all fairness, uh, they probably deserved it in the end. They got the, they got their asses kicked for quite a quite a you know they had a slump for quite a bit of the season. Well, they had the wrong cl- manager. Well, the wrong manager with two wrong managers, and the one that they well, got they had, the, the, had a manager that called it soccer. And yeah, what, what, what was his big faux pas? He didn't call it soccer. Yeah, he, he made a real faux pas about the international something about. Oh, he used an American sorts. term, and people yeah, he did. hated they, it. They, yeah, they and uh, yeah, it's, it was always going to be difficult for an American manager to come in and try and change things around without yeah. any genuine European experience, and yeah. That, yeah, that's yeah. what led to their downfall. And obviously, Swansea got rid of Gary Monk, who did really well with Leeds. Um, you know, and that probably was a bad decision in the end. And they brought in Paul Clement, who did well when he first came in, and very highly regarded amongst other managers. And then they went through this slump where they couldn't get a couldn't get a result. And in the end, 
Paul Clement brought back a fella called Leon Britton. Now, this guy has played for Swansea in all four divisions, been with the club through thick and thin, but was an outcast. And he basically took it upon himself to make sure the other players in that squad knew what it meant to be a Swansea City player and and what it meant to the community. And and just to point out that not only are we not going to recruit an American, but we're actually going to, his name's going to have to be Britain. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, so Leon's been around, and he's diminutive, and he's you know he's not really enforcer, and he's not flashy, and he doesn't score many goals or anything, but in terms of what he did, all of a sudden they started winning. Lorente started scoring, and Sigurdsson started running the show for them, and yep. what a player Sigurdsson is. Um, you know, in all fairness, he should be playing in the, in the big four or five clubs, and he had a season with Tottenham, and he came back to Swansea, but he's absolutely run the show there, so, uh, yeah, it's you know, and it, look, he had a sensational Euros as well last year for Iceland, so uh, in terms of what he has meant to, uh, to Swansea, is unbelievable, that free kick against Man United a couple of weeks ago was absolutely top draw, so uh, well done, Swansea, and it's good for Welsh football, because... Uh, yeah, you've got. We've got to have that club in the Premier League to produce, or you know, give some momentum to the Welsh national team. Because uh, without that focus in the Premier League, we we do struggle uh, quite a bit to recruit local players and keep players in the game. Now, when I think of Forest Green, the football <laughs> side, I, yeah. I I I just think of Village Green. And well, the, and the Pogues. You can't be. You know, you're not far off the truth because was it the Pogues that some. I saw her standing on the village green. Oh. Or is that the Furies? That's probably the Furies. The Furies. The it's the Furies. Yes. Um, I loved her. But as I've never loved before. Yeah. So Forest Green Rovers, they uh, were in the playoff final from the conference or the Vanarama National League to go up into the Football League and to take the place of the aforementioned Hartlepool United. So, Forest Green Rovers, amazingly, they're based in Nailsworth, which is in Gloucestershire. And it you're right, Fanny, it is a village. It's got a population of less than 5,800 people. It hasn't even got a railway station. Really? So, it's just outside Stroud for those, those guys that uh, kind of know English geography. Yes. That, but... Now they're in the Football League. They are going to be the smallest urban conurbation ever to have a Football League club. Uh, now, that's a record, isn't it, in itself? So they don't get many supports. So at the finals at Wembley, they played Tranmere on uh, on Sunday last night. Uh, there were 16,000 people at oh, Wembley. Oh, dear. So Tranmere misses out. Yeah, Tranmere missed out. I've been to... 3-1. I've been to... Prenton Park? Prenton Park. <laughs> One of them. <laughs> um, yeah, but... 13,000 of that 16,000 crowd were for Tranmere. Yes. So that shows the kind of uh, support uh, Forest Green Rovers get. But mind you, if you get 3,000 out of 5,800, that's not a bad percentage of people going to watch your team, is it? But this is the crux of the issue uh, for Forest Green Rovers. They, they've they been in non-league a long time. They have an owner called Dale Vince, who is a rampant vegan. He owns a, <laughs> he owns a uh, company called Ecotricity, who essentially own Forest Green Rovers, and he builds windmills and makes sustainable power. Does he tilt at them? Oh, he probably does. He puts through them every now and again, I would have thought. <laughs> um, but he has sugar daddied this club, and they have lost in the region of £10 million over the past four or five years. That does you include sound, You sounded like Dr. Evil there. Yeah. I mean, they have built this sustainable ground. Hey, if you go 
mind you, if you go away to Forest Green Rovers, don't think about buying a pie. It's it's a complete vegan ground. You're kidding? No, it's he's because he's a rampant well, vegan. The, so you you can't get any meat at the ground. No, you can't get you can't get any non-vegan products. You have to buy corn burgers in gluten-free bread. And things like that along those lines. Ugh. I know. Don't hey, there's no OXO at half time either. You want to do it, mate. <laughs> yes. So Forest Green Rovers, they beat Tramir three one, they were three one up at half time. Actually a Newport uh lad scored the second goal for Forest Green Rovers, Christian Deutsch. Yes. Um so yeah, they're up in the league for the first time. And because of the money they've got behind him. They have the potential to keep going because they've been paying players way over the odds for the level of football they've been in, and it seems that financial fair play rules don't kind of uh, don't apply to these guys because he can ride it off because of a company investment essentially. But congratulations, Forest Green, they deserved it, and they've been a uh, you know they've been in non-league a long time, and they've they've done their time, they've got themselves organised, they've got themselves somebody that wants to invest in the team and take them forward. So there you go. The final week of. Well, it's, been, it's playoff central at the minute. So in the championships uh, this weekend, Huddersfield drew 0-0 with Sheffield Wednesday and Reading drew 1-0 with Fulham. Yes. Now, the next legs are Tuesday and Wednesday and the final to get up into the Premier League is the 29th of May. Yes. Obviously, they'll be placing uh, Hull, Sunderland, and who else has gone down? Uh, Hull, Sunderland, <laughs> and they're the two I know. I'll tell you. I'm just going to think about it. Well, Somebody will know. Who's the um, other team that was destined for the drop? Not Crystal Palace. No, they stayed up. They won 4-0. They beat Hull on Saturday so um, uh, or Sunday. Oh, God. Mental blank. We'll okay. find it. We'll remember. We'll look it up in the leagues in a minute. Yeah. Um, no, I'm going yeah, to keep going. <laughs> keep going. So, in um, League 1, Bradford beat Fleetwood 1-0 on aggregate. And Millwall... Beat Scunthorpe 3-2 on aggregate. Mm, the final is on the 20th of May, Saturday. So that's the Gotham Championship. In League 2, our favourite league. Blackpool 3, Luton 2, Carlisle 3, Exeter 3. Great first legs there. And the second legs are on Thursday. Uh, their final's on the 28th of May. So, um, yeah, it's always a fascinating, uh, fascinating end to the season with playoffs. So uh, in terms of that, um, yeah, they just, the season keeps going and... Obviously, in the Premier League, uh, Middlesbrough, obviously, the Middlesbrough, other team Bar- to go down. Bar- Another Bar- Northeast team, which uh, yeah. has ruined uh, Northeast football. But Bats. did you see... No, well, wait there. Yep. The Beach Soccer World Cup was on. I saw... Now, <laughs> hang on. Now, here's something interesting. I yes. watched it live because it was on in the morning. Yeah. But I only saw it till half time, and it was the strangest game I've ever seen because twice... Brazil scored, yep. and both times Italy replied off from the, the kickoff. kickoff. I know, it was amazing. One, one's with a brilliant volley, yeah. and the other with an, a great header. So yeah. it was two all at half time. But Brazil, by far, the better team. Yeah, uh, that was in the in the semi final. Oh, semi final. That was yes, the semi final because yes. the final they played against that world soccer power Tahiti. Brazil did. Yeah, in the final. Brazil yep. Tahiti. That was the final, yeah. How did Tahiti make it? They beat Iran, that other soccer I superpower. Guess I, I guess they play on the beach a lot. Well, funnily enough, Tahiti are a bit of a powerhouse in this beach soccer environment. So uh, That's probably where they play all their soccer. They're probably, there's very few football pitches in Tahiti. So uh, Tahiti beat Iran in the semi uh, on penalties. They drew one all. Brazil ended up beating Tahiti, Iran. I wonder what yeah. they haven't had a lot of. You could have got good odds on that in the semi-final, couldn't you? Arch rivals. Uh, uh, Brazil beat Italy eight-four, 
uh, in the other in the semi you watched in the end. I'm tipping um, Brazil won the final fourteen one six nil. Yeah. So this beach soccer World Cup is held every couple of years and uh, last held in Portugal in 2015. Yes. Uh, Portugal as hosts actually beat Tahiti in the final, uh, and then previous to that, Tahiti actually hosted the 2013 beach soccer World Cup, but Russia beat Spain. So it's been going. Brazil have won quite a few of these beach soccer World Cups, as you can imagine. The goals are spectacular. They absolutely are. And it's a lot of flicks in the air and volleys and overhead kicks and diving headers and all sorts. So if you, uh, yeah, if you do see um, beach soccer, it is, it's quite funny. And it's, it's putting its hand up to be added to the Olympics. They push and push every time new sports come up. And yeah. uh, after we see the end of skateboarding and surfing in Tokyo, we'll, we may even see uh, beach soccer 2024. What do they call the bicycle? The bicicleta or something? <laughs> Probably if you're Italian or Spanish, yeah. yes. The, the bicicleta. That is de rigueur in that f- sport. Yes. Now, no darts on the beach. Why not? The uh, offshore breeze may uh, adjust the flight. <laughs> yeah, it was the last round of the Premier League. Um, the season proper. Season proper, yes. So goes in the finals this week. So I'm tipping that uh, it'll be on Fox Live uh, Thursday morning. Yes. Oh, Friday morning. Is it Thursday night? Uh, Thursday morning. Um, there weren't really too much going on, although there was a chance Dave Chisel could make the finals, uh, make the playoffs if he beat James Wade 7-0, but there he was, didn't. Well, there was a chance for Peter Wright to finish on top. Yes, there was, yep. And My- Michael Van Gerwen obviously wanted to finish on top. His pride said so. And he... His pride said so, and his checkbook, his uh, bank balance said so as well. And Gary Anderson said so because he played terribly. Well, yeah. Um, but Chizzy uh, drew 6 all with James Wade after being 6-2 down. Uh, Adrian Lewis was beating Phil Taylor 5-3 but lost 7-5. Peter Wright was absolutely barnstorming, and uh, I use that pun deliberately because he beat... Raymond von Barneville, 7-1. And then Van Gerwen beat Gary Anderson, like you said, 7-4. So the semi-finals of the playoffs work out that Michael Van Gerwen will play again Gary Anderson and Peter Wright will play Phil Taylor. Those games are over 19 legs, so first to 10. Uh, The final is then over 21 legs, first to 11, and we will see that. And it is played at the O2 Arena in London. If you are listening in London, there are still tickets available, but not many, I am told by my PDC friends. The winner will walk off with £250,000, which is great for a darts player. The only only way you could make £250,000  20 years ago, or 10 years ago, as a dart player was on... On the punt, I mean. Yeah. Just... <laughs> on the match fix, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, so, uh, but uh, like you said, uh, Van Gogh did win the league on 24 points and uh, that win against Anderson because Peter Wright was actually top of the league for a short time, for one match, obviously. He finished on 23 points. But funny enough, seeing Peter Wright has been in the top three in the world for the last three or four years, this is only this is the first time he's made the quarterfinals or made the made the playoffs. So yeah. uh, it's quite interesting. Phil Taylor finished on nineteen points. Gary Anderson eighteen points. And like I said, Chisnell had a chance. And four weeks ago, Chisnell was bottom of the second uh, second round of matches. So he's come home strong, which uh, which is very encouraging for Dave Chisnell. And we will probably see him here in the World Series later on this this year. But um, Van Gogh versus Anderson, obviously the big um, finals from last year, the World Grand Prix, the World Masters and the World Championships were, were all Van Gogh and Anderson. So uh, there you go. Now we're talking about World Series of Darts qualifying. 
the last round of qualifying for the Australasian throwers was up in the Lone Star Tavern, Mermaid Waters, on the weekend. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! Throw your peanuts on the floor and let the staff pick them up. That's what they used to do in Lone Star, wasn't it? Yeah, but in the now because of OHS, they You're don't not have peanuts to, Yes, anymore. no peanuts. Uh, on the on Saturday, day one of uh, qualifying, Corey Cadbury, uh, Cadby Cadbury, sorry, uh, Corey Cadby of Tasmania, now Melbourne, uh, he beat Reese Matthewson on day one, and then Gordon Glenn Mathers, Mathers beat Corey Cadby again, 6-4 on day two. Now the rankings at this stage, Mathers is top, Matthewson second, Cadby third, Cody Harris from New Zealand is fourth. Now, I believe that puts them in pole position for places on that World Series roster for Auckland, Melbourne, and Perth in August. And I think uh, me and Finey have to investigate how we can become the voice of darts in the Southern Hemisphere. Oh, don't worry. I'm already... He's already I've there. Already See? Bo- already, already sorted it out. I've already voiced the ad. <laughs> yeah, I know. I heard that. Uh, so, yes. Now, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll have a quick look at some surfing, and then... The beer mile. What is the beer mile? Very, very simply, you start the race, you scull a beer, run 400 metres, scull a beer, run 400 metres, scull a beer, run 400 metres, scull a beer, run 400 metres. It's a beer mile. Sounds like my mate's Sheeb's normal Thursday afternoon. There you go. Welcome back to our sojourn, our travels around the sporting globe with Kieran Beefy Blake, of Australian... Now, but uh, well, are you a naturalised Australian? No, no, he's just still a, still a Welshman. Still a Welshman, yeah. Came here to play cricket in Queensland. I did. Who did you play for? Beanley, Helensville, uh, Alberton, mm. lots of Loyal. others. East at one stage in Brisbane. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> came for the cricket, stayed for the weather. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Or, what? What's or a beef fat? Yes, there's there's no real reason to get back to Wales, really. I thought, I'm just weighing up the two, and it was only one winner, unfortunately, or fortunately. Fortunately for us. Yeah. The sport, well, we're going to talk about the beer mile shortly. Yes, we but are. But let's talk about surfing, because I believe, um, certainly in the women, the, yeah. Auss- the Aussie girl again did very well. She did. Tyler Wright yeah. had another win. The world champion, Tyler Wright. The world champion, Tyler Wright. Sister of Owen Wright. That's who's right. uh, recovered from a brain injury and uh, is back surfing. But uh, three out of the four girls in the semis, Aussies. all Aussies. Yep. And that didn't even include Steph Gilmore. She didn't make the semis. Okay, so she, uh, Tyler Wright, beat Johan Defay of France in the final. But um, Tyler banged in a 9.67 way, which is obviously very close to perfection. Um, but there we go. Uh, now, just on surfing, France, they've got... A, a, Keen following of surfers. They yeah. surf down, what's south? It's the Mistral. The, the yeah, kind of. No, down there. They surf in the Mediterranean as well, yeah. down Bordeaux and that region and but, uh, Nice. And yeah, but they're very keen. Yeah. I heard a great story on my long drive about a an Irish surfing beach that has been reclaimed. Oh. There, there was a, an Irish beach that was lost in a storm about 10 years ago or okay. something. Okay. And because of tidal movement, yep. so the beach, it went from this sandy beach with surf yep. to no beach at all. Just They'd lost all the sand. It just so gets they washed lost, away. That's it right. just got washed away. And prevailing wind from the west and it just uh, erodes. And a few weeks ago, with no warning, tides and storms. The perfect storm. 
occurred. Yeah. And what was once a sandbar is now a beach. A beach. So they're back surfing at oh, this okay. beach in Ireland. Oh, fantastic. Where apparently the temperature was a, for them, most acceptable top of 13. Oh, beautiful. Shorts weather. That's when they go and surf. <laughs> it wasn't that lad that uh, got caught 25 miles off the coast because the wind changed. No. And he had to get rescued, found himself on some island. No. And they <laughs> just, there you go. Oh, just um, famous Rodneys. We're talking about the Irish coast. HMS Rodney was part of the fleet that chased down and caught the Bismarck. So uh, thanks, Miles, from Turak. And uh, phew, loads of Rodneys come in. Rodney Wallace from Southampton and Rodney Hampton from uh, from uh, the American football player. Uh, Rodney Wallace from Southampton and Rodney Hampton from South Wallace. Well, that's right. South Wallace. Well done. Yes, indeed. The um, great SMS received here about those fantastic West Indian first names. And Roston Chase was joined in the side that just played by a Kieran, a Craig, spelt, that's Craig, Craig yeah. Brathwaite, spelt K-R-A-I-double-G. A Shimron, a Shy, a Valshai, a Devendra, an Alzari. Alzari. That's a great name, isn't it? And the rather bland sounding Jason, Shane, and Shannon. Yeah. How do you pronounce Anthe? And, uh, yeah. and, and the rather bland sounding. And the, oh, and the, I was going <laughs> to say, I thought, oh, that's interesting. Yes. Well, no, that's right. But you can see there's quite a few, as is the makeup of the West Indian team now, players of uh, subcontinental origin there. Devendra, oh, well, that's right, yeah. Valshai, etc. Um, and, well, I mean, the influence now of the uh, of the Indian descendants, you know, Bishu and uh, Chandapal, obviously, uh, a few of the others. Um, Nareen. Yep. Um, well, Sunil. Nareen, uh, you can't get kind of more Indian than that. And uh, that's only going to come to the fore as uh, as those guys keep cricket in the West Indies alive, unfortunately, the, uh, the ones of Indian origin. Now, speaking of, of cricket and alive or not, it appears as though, for the time being, cricket in America is dead. Oh, really? The ICC have moved to deregister oh, the United States of America. Cricket. Oh, really? Their, they claim is that there is no unifying um, body there. Yep. There are too many disparate yep. cricket leagues set up ad yep, hoc and willy-nilly, many of them claiming to put together official American teams. Yeah. So... I think at the next ICC full meeting, yep. they will officially de- deregister. Oh, that's a shame because United obviously States they played, uh, the States played in the uh, Champions Trophy a few years ago. Yep. Uh, they, they did have a couple of West Indians playing for them. Uh, but look, I've been in California and around um, Silicon Valley. There are a whole host of cricket clubs because of the... Um, subcontinent influence in the IT industry. They've had to set up cricket leagues and cricket facilities. I know Pepperdine University had to build cricket pitches because of the amount of Indian students they had there. And they have a ragingly successful cricket league at Pepperdine University, which is just unheard of. But, uh, yeah, that's it's very disappointing because, uh, you know, I, I played in Texas, uh, cricket in Texas, I should say, and... Um, you know, because there is a strong rugby community that like to play cricket in the summer, you know, and it's um, it's a fledgling sport, but the, the number of expats they have in the States makes it appetising for cricket to be played over there, but uh, and of facilities course, cr- are a problem. Cricket has a famous prehistory in America because of their British origins. The Americans 
the Philadelphia Cricket Club. Now yep. these later became more uh, gathering places and and social and social meeting points. But the Boston Cricket Club, Philadelphia Cricket Club, and then later on, quite famously, because there were a number of English in Hollywood. Yeah, the Hollywood Cricket Cricket Club was a, an active cricket team. Yeah. Led by the apparently quite skillful bowling and part-time batting of Boris Karloff, who of oh, course really? was not born Boris Karloff. He was an English actor. Yeah, he was. Who went by the name of Boris Karloff, but was a very good cricketer. Yeah, um, and if you do your research as well, look up the Compton Cricket Club, and I'm yeah. talking L.A. Yeah. mean streets of Compton, really uh, bad boy gangsters. And if you look up that, they got invited to Lords to play. They weren't very good, but um, there was one older fellow there that, that saw the great characteristics and, and cricket, character yeah. building of cricket, and he took it to the streets of Compton, and they recruited people off the streets. These are drug dealers, you know, gangbangers, um, you know, drive-by shooting guys that... So basically the English team of the mid-90s. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so if you look up Compton Cricket Club and the stories behind that, it is absolutely phenomenal reading. It's uh, uh, The Telegraph did a load of good pieces about it, and I I'm, I don't know. I haven't kept up with it. I hope it's still going. I really do. Um, but there you go. All right, now this time we are going to take a break and come back with... You've interviewed somebody who's competed in the beer mile? I went to the beer mile, the Brooks International Beer Mile, on Saturday night. Where was it? At Collingwood Athletics Track. No surprises there. Well, on Saturday night they raced in Collingwood. They did. Over the mile with a beer every lap. Yes. What a surprise. Yeah. So no, this, this is a genuine... Over to you. Yeah. Beefy. This is that's my niche, funny, as you know. Um, this is a genuine, I'm not going to call it new sport because people have been drinking and running for a long time. But um, this is the new it's kind of... Do, it's called doing a runner. Yeah, exactly. Uh, be a mile. So there are certain rules. There is a 10-metre transition zone. It is run on a track, 400-metre laps, obviously. To start the race, you will scull a beer as quickly as you, as you possibly can. You, there is a 10-metre transition zone. Beers have to be emptied. Um, they didn't really put it on their head and put it in the in the thing, but uh, so you basically drink a beer, run 400 meters, 10 meter transition zone. You scull a beer, run 400 meters, and so forth till you do the mile. Now Lewis Kent of Canada came out to run the Brooks International Beer Mile. He is a four minutes 15 man, athlete, athletic wise, running the normal mile. So he's not elite, but he's a fairly decent runner. He won in four minutes fifty after sculling four beers. So there are certain rules about the Canada. It's, it's basically a stubby. He brought over his own beers from Canada. He used an Amsterdam blonde. So that's a Toronto beer, apparently. So uh, there is an Australian that used to hold world records. Uh, he's from Tasmania, Josh Harris. He is now training hard for the marathon, trying to make the Australian team for the World Championships and Com Games, obviously coming up next year. Uh, but he is a you know a uh, protagonist of the beer mile, so I went out and had a look and uh, yeah, Lewis Kent won in four minutes fifty. So I got to talk to everyone and uh, Dave Robertson as well, who's the uh, the naked athlete who um, emceed the night. Lewis Kent, come all the way from Canada. Not quite the world record we were after, but the one plus is 
4 minutes 50. Yep. And that makes you the first person in beer mile history to do five times under five minutes. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, first person to go sub five, five, five times. times, yeah. Fantastic. And it'll go uh, fastest on Aussie soil, I guess. Well, that's very fastest true Fastest on well. Aussie soil, yeah. And also the Aussie champion, Josh Harris, he kind of pushed you all the way. He did, yeah. He gave me a good run and, you know, you always need that. And uh, your beer of choice? Yeah, it's uh, it's called Amsterdam Blonde. It's just uh, near Toronto, where I'm from. Yeah. So I'm used to using the local stuff. Now, have you, have you tried a lot of different beers to help you get a better time? For sure. You definitely want to try a few. Uh, stick away. Don't use the stouts. Don't use the hoppy. <laughs> yeah. Something that goes down easy. So, yeah, a lager or a blonde beer. I've yeah, tried a bunch. Tried about probably 10 or so, and uh, this one works, so I stick to it. We heard a rumor that somebody's, somebody tried to break the beer half marathon a couple of weeks ago in America. Yeah. Emmett, uh, Emmett Harnan. Mm-hmm. Didn't read the rules. Yeah. 3.5% beers, although we did a 143 half marathon. So. Yeah, no, I definitely, uh, I saw that, and that's, uh, it's pretty funny. It's a good attempt. Uh, that's more of Josh's alley. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a miler. He's a marathoner. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so, Josh will give it a crack. So without the beer handicap, what is your mile time? Uh, I've run a 4.15 mile. How is the Canadian team looking? The Canadian national 4x4 beer mile team. How's that looking? Yeah, they're, we're so quite you're, good. You're the top two in the world, the two Canadians now, aren't you? Yeah, me and Corey uh, have the one-two times right now. It's been three, three of the international meets so far have had 4x4s after where yeah. it's Canada, US and at one of them there was also Oz, England, all that and Canada's 3-0 so Beautiful. we've yet to we've yet to not win yeah. but it, it always makes a fun interesting event because you get uh, some sprinters who can skull just one and go whereas the beer mile you got to get down four well, but uh, a, it's yeah it's a whole new uh, whole new scope on things isn't it so if you can do the one lap dash yeah you know, you, there's, a, there's still a place for you yeah exactly it makes it more fun so on the BMR series on the world calendar what's next for you yeah I may be looking at uh, doing one probably end of June yeah. so I've got about six weeks okay uh, so back to Regular running training, gotta yeah, stay yeah. fit, and then the week off, do a little so bit of sculling. When does, considering you're a, you're a genuine runner, yep. When does be a mile training kick in? Just a week before, or yeah, I'd say when I first started, there was about six weeks of learning where I've got to learn how to how to like you know yeah. you practice with water, non-alcoholic beer, okay. and kind of learning how to get the beer out quickest. Yeah. Then it's kind of like riding a bike. Once you get it down, then now it's just the week off, two weeks out. You know, do a couple things, and you know you're good yeah. to go. Hopefully, well, this is the start of things to come in Australia because uh, obviously it's the home of drinking. Uh, we can see. A real good beer mile series and really kick this off. Well, Usain Bolt came over early in the year and he started his uh, kind of lightning nitro athletics. So yeah, I reckon huge. we can bring this in. Oh yeah, I'll come. I'll come anytime. I love it over here. <laughs> I've only been here for four days, but uh, loving every second of it. That's so it. I'll move here. There's a beer mile series. Yeah, so I'll just, I'll just move say. over. Mate, Lewis, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your trip and yeah. uh, best of luck in six weeks' time. Yeah, thanks guys. Appreciate it. Alrighty, I've got Josh Harris. Australia's number one beer miler. You didn't break your PB today. In fact, just outside five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Is that because of the cross-training that you're having to do or just one of them nights? Yeah, I think uh, the fact that I've been training for the marathon and stuff like that probably affected me tonight. I probably haven't prepared as well as I have for the beer mile in the past. And 503 is a pretty standard first one of the season. Now, talking about training for the marathon, I just found out this week that uh, Elliot Harnan in the States did a beer half marathon. Yeah. 143. No good. But... 3.5% 3.5% beers. Yeah. Oh. So it doesn't even qualify. The fact that it's 141, I could absolutely demolish. Anyway, go. I'm a I'm a 104, 105 half marathoner, yep. so you know, give me give me 13 beers yep. and I'd probably be 115 I'm gonna at, at worst. So I'll do it really once. Yeah. I will, but you know, 3.5%. That's probably well, that's probably only the equivalent of seven. Well, see, it's, well, not even that. It's yeah. American beer as well. It was water. <laughs> water. Obviously, this is the first real major event in Australia for the beer mile. Yeah. I'm loving it. So we were just spitballing, Lewis and I, thinking after the relays, the 4x4, because the uh, the 4x4 relay teams, they oh. take six or seven yes. uh, runners. So yeah. there's a couple of spitballs yeah. in the final. 100%. 100%. If they got a 4x4 with a beer mile 
in there. Oh, yeah. you could see four minutes absolutely oh, d- demolished, I'd say. Yeah. Some of the Americans, they'd, they'd be hitting their splits. Oh, they could even break 50 if <laughs> they can put a beer back. I don't know. They can't drink the Americans. We know this. Yeah, well... Yeah, well, the Canadians are the yeah. are the ones to beat in the beer mile. Yeah. They've got um, probably four of the best six yeah. um, in the world, so, so yeah, they're setting the standard. Outside of your training now for the marathon, we know you, you you're trying to make the uh, world yeah. marathon team. Yep. Um, what's next in the beer mile series for you? Well, if I make the world championships, I'll be in London for the world yeah. classic, so that's a given. If I don't make the team, then I'll possibly make the trip over regardless. Oh, nice. We'll have to see if I can get help to get over there. So that's probably next on the agenda. Yeah. But. Obviously, Australia, the home of drinking outside of Canada. We have to say that at the minute. Yep, they've um, got us. We could see a big future for beer miling, you know, state by state. Could be a big series. I know back in 2012, 2013, when I was first starting to break the world records, yep. it was growing, it was gaining momentum, but it's kind of went downhill since that. We haven't really taken it on board like the yep. North Americans. So a few more events like this, a few more people to get involved and, and would be, would be on, on par with the Canadians. And uh, Dave, earlier when he was introducing you, came up with a great nickname for you now because you are Tasmanian. The Boonie. Boonie yeah. Beer Miling. Yeah. Who that? Oh, mate, Boonie's a champion. There's no way I could drink 52 beers on a plane to London, but I, I, could, I could give it a crack. What about 50? I'm thinking double marathon, eventually. So 80, 84.4k yeah. with 52 beers. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, you wouldn't recover. From <laughs> anyway, Josh, absolute pleasure. Good to see you and get involved with the first big international beer mile here. Cheers. Appreciate All right. it. All right, I'm with Dave Robertson, founder of the Naked Runners. Dave, what an event. Oh, spectacular. What about that? I mean, we've watched it on... on Online. We watch it on YouTube, yeah. watch it on, on the computers, around the la- huddle around the laptops when the international beer miles are on. But to have a little taste of it in our yeah, own backyard was fantastic. Great. And I've just talked to uh, both Lewis and uh, Harry. Australia's the home of drinking. It seems that. Well, he's from Tasmania yeah. with the home of David Boone, so oh. it's, no, it's no surprise, I, think, I guess. I think you've prisoned him for the rest of his beer mile career now. Yeah, Bradman or the Boonie no, of, the Boonie. He likes of the beer Boonie. miling. Yeah. But um, no, look, he's a huge talent. And it's, yeah. it's a sport in its own right now, and it needs yeah. to be taken seriously. It's a bit of fun. That's the premise of it, that's the origins of it. But I think. It sounds a bit of fun, though, but Lewis takes it very seriously. My word. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And you look at his, he's got he's got custom-made shoes. He's yeah. got Brooks on board, that they both do as, as a sponsor. Yeah, yeah. So it's being taken seriously. Eyeballs want to see it, you and it's what? great. I think we should push this. Usain Bolt and his Nitro Series. Why not? Perfect. Why Perfect. not? Perfect. Perfect. Usain's always up for a bit of fun. Of course. There'd be a, there'd be a cheeky Jamaican craft beer that he could bring. <laughs> Red Stripe. Bring it over. There you go. The Red Stripe Beer Mile. Yeah. Why not? If anything to get people active and yeah. moving. And if it exactly. takes a few cold beers, we then like we can do that. that. Dave, thanks for your time. You know, you did a great job emceeing today and uh, hopefully we're going to see more and more of this because like I say it's fun people can have a laugh no it's fantastic and thanks for the support there you go well well done great interview there Beefy <laughs> or interviews yes they take it quite seriously what I like is because they've had a few beers yeah after the race not that faux modesty that you normally get from sports exactly people. yeah lost their inhibitions haven't yeah, they <laughs> uh, I could run it in a 104 yeah yeah it's half marathon, yeah. Just do a run at 104. And uh, by all accounts, they were going to hit the town on Saturday night, so they're already half there. It's. Uh, I wonder what our next host, to Craig Harper, the health and fitness man, will make of that. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll discuss it with him. Yes, definitely. But no, a lot of fun. And uh, I mean, like I said, and, and it's it's one of those one of these events that. Uh, could see its way onto a bigger stage. And they, t- they actually take it very seriously in the yep. States and Canada. So, uh, you know, the big crowds and they, they add it into the university. You know, it's a bit of uh, oh, you know, people look down on it as though it's a bit of a novelty event. But uh, there is skill in drinking four beers and running a mile in four minutes 50. Apparently there is. We're going to take a break, come back, and we're going to sprint to the finish line with the World Rugby Sevens. I think it was good news for the South Africans. Speedway Triathlon and Water Polo.
All right, Fifi, four sports in less than two minutes. We're going to race S- through. And SNS here is talking about American cricket. English great Sir Pelham Warner regarded American John Barton King as one of the world's greatest ever bowlers. There you go. Great work by Greg and West Meadows as well usual. Well cricket. The Rugby Sevens. Rugby Sevens, the penultimate round was in Paris on the weekend. South Africa beat Scotland 15-5 in the final. And now uh, champions of the World Series in Sevens. Is that their first time ever? Uh, I think they won it last year. They've oh. gone back to back. Yeah. Uh, the Aussies lost to Argentina 33-12 in the trophy th- final. Yeah, I heard we were like seventh or something. Yeah, I think so. So the blitz box, uh, yeah, they're, they're the champions. England are second, Fiji third, uh, Kiwis are fourth. Uh, there's only one round left in Twickenham, and the only chance is that uh, the Kiwis, Fiji, and England may swap places. Spain have been promoted back to the core group of finals. They qualified in Hong Kong a couple of weeks ago. They replaced Chile. Spain beat Germany in the final to get into the main group, but there you go. Speedway, the uh, Polish Grand Prix was in Warsaw in front of 45,000 fans Whoa. in Poland. If you get a chance to see the replay of this Speedway meeting from Poland, it is absolutely phenomenal. If that was MotoGP with Rossi and uh, Lorenzo and all that, you'd just be astounded. Um, Freddie Lindgren of Sweden won the final. Uh, Magic Janowski, a Polish guy, came second. But Australian Jason Doyle, he was third. And Doyle has now moved into second in the World Championships behind Lindgren. Uh, they go to Latvia in a couple of weeks' time. 30 it, seconds triathlon and water polo. Triathlon. They were in uh, Japan last weekend. Flora Duffy of Bermuda won the women's. Ashley Gentle came sixth, but she recorded the fastest run leg of the day. Water Mario po- Mola of Spain won the men's. Water and polo. Water polo. The women's Australian Stingrays team have won the World League tournament. They beat the Yanks in the final. 10-7, they go to Shanghai for the World Super League Finals in next month.